ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. When was the last time you used a regional airport and what did you use it for? Regional airports and aerodromes play a really critical social and economic role in our communities. Everything from medical evacuations to aerial firefighting, pilot training, freight and of course business and holiday travel. But Regional Capitals Australia has warned that 60% of regional airports are running at a loss. There's ageing infrastructure, maintenance and compliance costs, all putting them under significant financial pressure. And a delegation has just been to Canberra to lobby for more federal funds to protect those critical services that regional airports provide. So today I'd like to know when was the last time you used a regional airport? Was it a convenient way to get to a holiday in the regional or remote destination? Maybe you fly for business or you're a FIFO worker. You might even work with something like the Royal Flying Doctors or have been airlifted yourself. What does a regional airport mean for your community? one 300 is our talkback line or you can text me on 0437 This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. I'm Bronwyn O'Shea here with you today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt. And there are more than 40 airports in regional Victoria, way more than I realised. But knowing that two-thirds of Australia's regional airports are operating at a loss and 40% expect to still be operating at a loss in 10 years' time, what does the future hold for our regional airports? Jonathan Wilshire is manager of Ballarat Airport. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning, Bronwyn. How are you? Good. What is Ballarat's airport used for at the moment? Well, chiefly, um, our airport at the moment has a major flight training provider in the Australian Airline Pilot Academy that trains up to about 150 um, students a year to become airline pilots. And the other substantial business is an aerial application business called Field Air, which also is a very large general aviation maintenance provider. It's interesting that you are training up commercial pilots and you have field air as well, yet there aren't any commercial flights in and out of Ballarat, are there? No, not yet. <laughs> and that's not yet. Like to be <laughs> in the future. So you would like to see some direct passenger flights to and from interstate. Is there interest from airlines to, to do that? Yeah, we have, we've had interest from um, from airlines to come into Ballarat but of course the infrastructure has to be there to make that happen and I, and I think that's the sort of the problem we find ourselves in presently is that while there's certainly interest from residents um, and from airlines to operate in and out of the city in the region we're not there um, in terms of infrastructure so that's where we'll be seeking funding to sort of lift the standard of the airport and the runways to be able to accommodate larger aircraft and then ultimately hopefully commence scheduled passenger services to some of the major population centres around Australia. You're relatively close to Melbourne, though. So why do you need flights, commercial flights, in and out of Ballarat when you know Melbourne's not that far down the road? Yeah, and that's something that has come up over the years. And I think we've sort of reached that inflection point now where the trip to and from Melbourne has got quite long. Um, 
Melbourne Airport is a very busy airport. So for a local business in Ballarat, they probably lose a day of productivity sending a staff member down to Melbourne Airport and then having them fly to, say, Sydney and then the return flight. So um, we think that, you know, with a catchment of around 300,000 people in Western Victoria, um, to alleviate a bit of pressure from Melbourne and to serve sort of the western part of the state, we're really well placed strategically to offer that that additional service and become a secondary airport for Melbourne. I know Ballarat is one of the many airports that is running at a loss. So what does what does that mean at the moment for how you're funding it? Yeah, so we have a few sources of revenue. The chief one probably being um, rental returns from our tenants. Um, Introducing a passenger service would obviously open up a number of new revenue sources through um, ticket charges, probably through um, retail leases, um, car parking. So once you actually introduce an airline service, all of a sudden your airline can actually provide a return on that investment. And I think you'll find that, you know, airports without services tend to make a loss uh, and those with a scheduled airline service will either make a much smaller loss or perhaps even a profit. Even if you were to get some funding to expand Ballarat Airport in order to accommodate commercial passenger flights, you know, aviation is such a fickle business and we've seen operators put routes into destinations and then pull them out pretty quickly soon after. How difficult is planning for the future when you're dealing with something as, as kind of uncertain as, as the aviation industry? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think we probably have to change the thinking a little bit and just see aviation for what it is, public transport service. I think there's always going to be a need um, for people to travel by air, and it seems to be increasingly true. Um, and the industry does go through cycles of expansion and contraction. It follows the you know the economic cycle. But um, I think that you know we can be confident with our population base that there will always be an underlying need for you know, certain routes to be serviced. Um, and perhaps we may see some are more successful than others. But I think the key is just having having a large catchment area. Um, and I think that's where we're well placed to be confident that if we were to introduce a service, it would ultimately be successful. If that's not successful, if you don't get the money to do that and you can't attract the commercial operators in, where does that leave the future of Ballarat Airport? Uh, the other uh, sort of big service that we we look to provide is perhaps through um, through our maintenance provider and field air and attracting other businesses to come up. They would like uh, a longer runway to bring aircraft into Ballarat to have maintained locally rather than having to, to go to um, secondary airports sort of around Australia where their aircraft or their, their customers' aircraft are actually based. So that's another sort of avenue that we could look at to increase um, the revenue our airport is perhaps... Um, increasing maintenance provision um, or emergency services base. Um, so we have sort of considered a number of, of opportunities for growth for the airport, but um, if you can get an airport that's capable of passenger services, you'll find that everything else underneath that becomes possible because the standard of the airport um, has met those requirements. Jonathan, there's quite a number of texts coming in saying, you know, we've just talked about climate change and heard all the, the warnings about the weather that's coming across the next few months and here we are talking about flying more planes into regional communities like what what on earth are you talking about what would your response be to that yeah i think well, one of the you know the, the really interesting things that came out of COVID is the increase in 
um, regional to regional air services that we've seen. And ultimately, it probably greatly decreases, you know, the carbon footprint of aviation because people are going directly where they want to go rather than taking secondary flights or driving long distances. I mean, as an example, I think I, I went to Canberra last week and I would have burnt more fuel in the car than I would have on the aircraft going directly to Canberra. So I think that actually taking people to where they want to go, reducing airspace, um, you know, uh, sort of emissions through through better air, air traffic management and um, and not sort of having those secondary routes are all really good ways of reducing aviation sort of carbon footprint. Okay, Jonathan, thank you so much. Jonathan Wilshire, manager of the Ballarat Airport. Nicole is calling in from Melbourne. Hi, Nicole. Oh, hi, how are you? Good. Do you use regional airports? Yeah, I do. I use the airport in Mildura fairly often, a couple of times a year. Um, my family uh, live in Mildura. They've been there for probably three generations now, and a lot, of, like a lot of kids from Mildura, I moved to Melbourne to go to university about 20 years ago, and it's my only link to get home. It doesn't take me a day to get there. Um, and and you could jump in the car. It's a it's a bit of a drive. But what what yeah. is it that is it just the time saving that makes you you know keen to keep that air route going, or or is there other reasons, Nicole? Look, it depends. When I choose to drive, I go with my family, and it's a cost factor. It costs a lot of money to get up there. It's probably the minimum cost would be about two hundred dollars each way to fly. So mm. flying a family there is a thousand plus dollar equation. Um, when we drive, we take a day, and it's got kids so it's a good eight hour drive to get up there and anyone on listening who's got kids knows that that's not much fun um, but there's also no train service the train service was available when I was a child I remember catching the, the Vinelander I think it was called overnight and that doesn't exist anymore so for people who live in Mildura who might not have 1500 bucks to spend on flying to Melbourne they're missing out on things sometimes like healthcare, education etc because there's really a lack of affordable options. Yeah, great point. Uh, Nat is in Geelong. Hello, Nat. Good morning. Do you use Avalon just down the road? I just used Avalon recently for the first time and I'm a bit sheepish about revealing it because I think this isn't going to make me any friends in Geelong, but it is awesome. (laughs) Um, Your your last caller was talking about travelling with kids. Um, can be challenging to say the least and I just found Avalon to be brilliant it's really small it's easy to move through um there's a few food options not overwhelming like it's a really really good travel option I think obviously the places you can fly to are more limited but um yeah I really highly recommend it to people flying with kids and you can come down to Geelong first um and enjoy it here too Look at you being an ambassador for Geelong. Nice one, Nat. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the call. Quite a few people saying, yeah, look, um, I fly in and out of Avalon. We do have that second airport and uh, it flies interstate. So what do we need more flights out of Ballarat? Um, we've got a perfectly good train line between Melbourne and Ballarat. Upgrading Ballarat Airport looks like a luxury we can't afford in terms of budget and climate action, says Mohammed. Um, and this text from Lee. I, hi, Bronwyn. I live next to a regional airport in Wynyard, Tasmania. It services flights to and from northwest Tassie to King Island and Melbourne. The main carriers are Rex and Sharp and Qantas, and they use almost exclusively the old turbo prop planes seating 20 to 40 passengers. Unfortunately, they are incredibly noisy and polluting, says Lee. Lee, 
grew up in Wynyard. So nice to hear from you. Know that airport very well. How do you use regional airports? Are they critical for business? Uh, have you been airlifted? We know regional airports play a huge role in protecting communities um, during bushfires as well with, with regional firefighting um, aircraft. So how important are the regional airports to where you live and work? I'd love to hear from you this morning. Owen Creese is Chairman of Directors with Angel Flight Australia. Hi, Owen. Good morning. Now, you provide flights that help country people get to medical treatment, non-emergency flights. How important is the regional airport network for you? Uh, that's uh, essentially all we uh, all we use. <coughs> Excuse mm. me. Uh, we go to about 400 different uh, regional airports uh, uh, around the country, and uh, they're essential to the service we provide. Uh, they make it easy for people to uh, uh, to get their flights. They haven't got to travel far. Uh, they don't need to travel for hours to get to an airport that has uh, airline services. Uh, so they're, they're critical to our service. And Owen, are you using local people with with aircraft, you know, that, that live at those airports, so to speak? So so people who are in the community who are providing that support as a service? Uh, all, all of our pilots are volunteers who use their own a- aircraft uh, and yep. they're based at various airports around the, the country. Uh, but all of our passengers come from regional centres uh, where uh, there's a, usually a small airport. Uh, most of the places we fly to don't have a regular airline service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're definitely at the smaller end of regional airports. What would it mean? We know that two-thirds are, are in financial trouble. Like it's, it costs more to run the airport than they make. How concerned are you about you know, still being able to use the, that network of regional airports into the future? Well, fortunately, because we're using uh, small aircraft, we don't need uh, the same facilities that you would need to have uh, a Rex or a Qantas Link flying in. Mm. Uh, but there are maintenance issues that, that uh, concern us. Um, obviously, we'd like to... To, uh, to have well-maintained runway and taxiway services. Uh, but there are a few other things that, that would make a difference as well. Uh, being Operating into country airports, wildlife on the runway can be a bit of a hazard. So uh, it would be very good if airports could afford to uh, fence their, their airfields uh, to make them... Um, uh, to protect, the, protect them from uh, wildlife, particularly kangaroos and emus. Um, uh, and um, some of them don't have, lots of them actually don't have any real facilities for uh, for passengers. There's there's no uh, often no toilets, um, no uh, no parking areas for aircraft or cars. Uh, some simple things like that would make a big difference to to us. Mm, that's that's great to know, Owen. Thank you, Owen Crease is chairman of directors at Angel Flight Australia. So, a couple of things we can put to our next guests across the hour. Uh, Mike's in Watsonia. Hey there, Mike. Yeah, how are you going? Um, you had a call there before saying the train doesn't go to Mildura. It actually does go to Swan Hill, and then it's about an hour and a half, two-hour trip to Mildura by bus. Takes all up about seven hours from Melbourne to Mildura. And we actually went up there for holidays last year and we brought the plane back from Mildura. So the train actually does go to Swan Hill and then to Mildura by bus. Yeah. So comparing the two experiences, Mike, which would you prefer? 
I would prefer the train to tell you the truth because I was born in Mildura and we used to catch the train um, regularly down to Melbourne on the old Vineland and it was a took about twelve hours. But the, wow. the train now is been the train the train now is fantastic. It only took five hours from Melbourne to Swan Hill and then two hours by bus to Mildura. So all My- seven hours. Yep. Yeah, there, there's been this this ongoing sort of debate um, on the text message line. I'm seeing people saying, you know, that they are really important these connections to regional communities, but also um, why don't you just get a train or a bus or drive drive where you need to go? So, do you think that there is still a, a need to have, especially these commercial passenger flights, out of regional communities? Uh, I think so. Yeah, like um, if on business and that, like you you can't take the time. If you can take the time to get up there by train, definitely do it. I'm look, I'm retired now, so um, I had the time to do it. But if you and Mildura is a big city now compared to when we lived there, it's a, it's a very big city, and uh, there's lots of businesses up there. So if you want to fly up there, the, the plane trip would be the way to go. But yeah, if you just want to have a casual. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say and there's no way you could casual, manage a, a trip like that if you're on on the clock if you're running a business peter's in surrey hills hi peter oh hi yeah look i was in norway uh, a couple of years ago they've set a target there i think it's legislated that all internal flights will be um electric so zero emissions um no climate impact and they've already got an aircraft flying some of those routes so the regional areas in australia um we're very large country and things like the Royal Flying Doctor Service very important for local communities and uh, everywhere's not going to have a train so I think no. that could be a good solution. Oh Peter, interesting. Do you know much about the size that you can have an electric aircraft at? How big can they be? Um, well we've got passenger aircraft flying now, um, I think the first one and you know I'm, I'm assuming it's going to seat over a dozen people um, and they'll grow in size as the technology improves. So if we set the target, um, we've got a good chance of making it. But if we just trundle along and business as usual, then, of course, it's not going to happen. So we need some leadership from government on this. Yeah, great point. Thank you for putting that on the list of things to discuss, Peter, in Surrey Hills. This is the Conversation Hour. We are talking about regional airports this morning. The future is looking a little uncertain for our regional airports. 60%, two-thirds of them, are actually running at a loss. And there's been a recent delegation head up to Canberra on behalf of Regional Capitals Australia asking for more federal government funding to make sure that they can afford to operate and invest in upgrades for the future. So I'd love to know, when was the last time you utilised a regional airport what were you doing? Where were you going? And how important are they? There's a text here that says, I love our Bendigo Airport and direct Qantas flight to Sydney. It saves us up to four hours of driving, at least $80 in parking fees, not to mention the wasted time at Melbourne with airlines wanting you there early and then being delayed or cancelled. Going via, via Melbourne can be not much quicker than driving. It makes it possible to do quick trips to Sydney more often to visit elderly relatives, says Felicity in Bendigo. Ben Devaney is the Manager of Economic Development for the City of Greater Bendigo. Hi, Ben. Hi, glad to join you. Just heard Felicity talking up that service and how great it is to have in the community. Um, how how solid is uh, is Bendigo financially, Bendigo Airport at the moment? 
Yeah, it's great to hear that feedback from Felicity. Um, and, and Bendigo Airport um, does run at a loss like a lot of other regional airports. Um, they're a very big asset to, to maintain and, and maintain safely. So um, while we're more revenues coming in as we're growing and having more flights, um, it does uh, have a financial contribution from the, from the ratepayers of Bendigo to, to operate. What's putting the pressure on financially? What, what are some of the costs that are increasing and, and proving to be a big burden? Uh, a lot of it is just around the, the size of the site. Like here in Bendigo, it's um, it's around a 70-hectare site. A lot of it needs to be maintained. There's a lot of... Um, and you need to maintain to make sure it's safe for people to use. So they are just uh, probably like a lot of other assets that, that all form of government um, need to run as they're, they're big and expensive to look after, um, but really critical to, um, to the users of the Bendigo and the region. So what future plans do you have and, and you know, how much... How much money do you need to make those happen, Ben? Yeah, we've actually uh, we've been invested in really well in the last few years. We had a runway expansion um, that opened back in 2017, which enabled us to to bring in bigger aircraft, which um, obviously enabled the Qantas service to start in 2019. And, and we're partway through a, a new um, terminal and business park construction now of sort of 12 million in, in total um, in total uh, expansion that's where hope's going to going to grow our passenger services as well as um our our private our training and emergency services as well so we've had good investment but um like everything you'd always want more and it's the ongoing operations that um that don't uh, pay for themselves yet at the at the size of the airport we are i guess there's a tough question then isn't there if they don't pay for themselves should we be investing in in them Oh, as the manager of the airport, I've got a, a biased opinion. But uh, when you look at um, the feedback you get from Felicity saying how great is it for, for business and, um, and leisure travel to, to go to Sydney now, um, for people to be able to come in um, to Bendigo, we've seen increasing in visitation, the, um, the investment that drives, but also the, the flight training. We've got flight, five flight training schools out in Bendigo that are, are training those pilots of the future, whether it be recreational, commercial, um, and the emergency services are, are a massive factor. Um, when, uh, when we do need them, to have them based here in Bendigo is, um, is a really good spend of, uh, of what we see, the, the money to make sure we've got these services available. What's the what's the benefit of having flight training out of regional airports? Because both both Ballarat and Bendigo do. Yeah, the, the benefit is um, for there's a lot there's a lot less air congestion than you do in in the metro areas. But what it does is it enables um, a, a greater range of um, staff to do their their flight training hours, um, and they see a lot of the regional areas, um, particularly in Australia, with our our open spaces compared to some other countries um, across the country. We see a lot of particularly Asian pilots coming to trade in Australia because we've got more more airspace. So it's um it's a good economic driver. Um, not to mention the um, training the pilots of the future. Yeah, and I guess it's a bit like learning to drive on the the back road rather than the multi lane freeway, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and you do, and you find a lot of people that are exactly that. They'd uh, they'd much rather start their flying um, in areas that are a lot less uh, a lot less busy than you might get down in Moorabbin and others um, in Melbourne. Um, but then, as a part of that um, transition when they're growing, they um they have to fly in, in all different um, airspaces. I know at the moment you have Bendigo to Sydney and, and you've said with this upgrade complete you hope to attract more services. The, the thing is that we've seen new airlines or even existing airlines come into regional areas, start up new services and then fairly quickly drop them again because they just haven't proven profitable. Um, what, what certainty do you have around you know, adding to what you already have there at Bendigo? 
Uh, there's there is no certainty um, in terms of the airlines, and, and they've got to make sure they they have routes that are profitable for them. But we really work on our our due diligence on working with the airlines, like we did with Qantas for this initial service. Um, and we're hoping to have more. Is we're really trying to work. How do we promote it? How do we encourage? Um, the locals to use it because um, in in all airlines it's not just the Bendigo Airport it's it's all airports it, it is a use it or lose it because the um the airlines uh, need to to have profitable routes and that's why we're really trying to build the case for other routes um over and above of what we've got in Sydney um one to start but then also make them profitable and viable so uh, we continue having them in the future. Where else would you like to get to? Someone's asking on the text when are they going to fly to other capital cities from Bendigo? Yeah, um, the the where then when's a lot easier question to answer. So so where the ones we look at, uh, we think there's a market in Mildura to Adelaide to Canberra um, to to Tassie, whether it be Launceston or Hobart, and, and even South East Queensland. Um, Brisbane or the Gold Coast are, are all markets that we think are, are possible if we can um, have the right um, demand analysis and, and case with the, the airline um, and the airline that can fit it into their schedule. There are the ones we think are possible um, and we'd like to say sooner rather than later, but it, it is a bit of a process to, to convince those airlines that um, that this can work, it can fit with their schedule um, and most importantly, um, we see work on an ongoing basis. What does sooner rather than later mean, Ben? Come on, I'm going to oh, make well, you commit to a time frame. <laughs> no, no, we can't. Well, we can say we're, we're having conversations with airlines now. Um, they're uh, expanding or, or probably um, coming back out of COVID in terms of their fleet utilisation and, and pilots and crew that a lot of airlines struggle with. So we're having conversations now. Um, but we can't put a time frame on it. We'd like to see in the next couple of years. We have the terminal now that's um, that's going to be suitable. Um, definitely when it's fully open early um, next calendar year, uh, we can cater for more flights. Uh, we've just got to get that right partnership with an airline to, um, to make it happen. Yeah, and be affordable too because flying out of regional airports is expensive. Ben Devaney, thank you. Manager of Economic Development, City of Greater Bendigo. And Lizzie in Bendigo says it has been a godsend for the Bendigo and surrounding districts. My daughter and son-in-law use it for business regularly and my friends use it to visit family very frequently. Um, Thank you. This from Angela. Regional airports are a community service, many of which do need subsidising to exist. How many more people do we want on the roads adding to the crash rate? Uh, love to hear your experiences with regional airports, whether it's been for business or pleasure or something else. Uh, what role have they played for you and how critical are they? Christine's in Shepparton. Hello there, Christine. Hello. How are you? Good. What did you want to say? Oh, just that my husband was airlifted out of Wangaratta from the hospital to the Royal Melbourne last year. So thank goodness for the airport in Wangaratta. Yeah, so how far was that t- from you, Christine? How far is Wang from Shep? Oh, well, I'm not in Shep. I'm out of Shep. But ah, um, okay. it was, and from, from, from my home, Wangaratta is about an hour and a half drive. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, and to get to Melbourne, it takes me three hours. Mm. So <clears throat> it was a godsend that he could be flown out. And, Absolutely. And a t- couple of years ago, we flew from Albury to Ballina which was great. And, you know, you don't think about needing it for a medical emergency until you need it for a medical emergency, do you, Christine? Exactly, exactly, Um, exactly. And 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 when we're, I mean, we're close to the Hume Highway and so many accidents on the Hume Highway need, you know, need helicopters and things to fly people to Melbourne. Yeah, 
that's exactly right. Christine, thank you so much for the call. Um, that role that regional airstrips and and airports play in getting people to emergency treatment so huge. Stephen Campbell is the CEO at Regional Aviation Association of Australia. Welcome, Stephen. Uh, g'day. How are you? Good. We had um, a couple of people mentioned so far about the... Um, the need for things like fences to keep animals off the runway and, you know, even toilets at some of these more remote airstrips. How hard is it getting the money to do jobs like that for regional airports? Well, it, it's uh, always uh, difficult, but, you know, the government has had programs in place for uh, maintaining uh, remote airstrips and, and some of the infrastructure around it, such as the security fences. And a lot of people don't think about those sort of things and even, you know, cracked taxiways and, and wind socks and aerodrome markers. So there's been programs in place um, previously, but it's a it's a, a grants program that you have to go through. And, uh, and in a lot of cases, they'll weigh up the priorities against things like, um, you know, does the RFDS use the airstrip a bit? Um, what sort of other air services are required and so the airport sort of generally has to prove the need for it and uh, the federal government has had the remote airstrip upgrade program for a number of years. We are concerned because uh, there's a bit of uncertainty how much longer that program is going to run. It doesn't appear to go through to all the four years of the forward estimate so um, the government has said that it will be part of the aviation white paper process so Bit of a concern, but hopefully that will continue. Why are so many regional airports running at a loss? And if federal government funding isn't increased, what options does that leave those airports? Yeah, look, we're seeing a decline in a number of regional aerodromes being served by air services. And I think the figures they quote in the white paper is down about 50% over the last 30 years, which is concerning. Um, we've seen an uptick, uptick sorry, in uh, West Australia, but that's mainly due to mining. Um, now, for regional communities, um, the cost of servicing those regional communities with uh, a regular air service is, is just probably gone beyond what's viable for a lot mm. of uh, regional airlines that are members of ours for instance and you know in australia we've got the the double whammy of the tyranny of distance and the economy of scale so when you're trying to move a small amount of people over such a long distance the numbers generally don't stack up unless you know yet you charge a lot of money and and that's the problem that uh, a lot of regional communities sort of face unless state governments sort of chip in and, and help subsidize some airfares which we do see Queensland, West Australia, Northern Territory have a, a, a bunch of different sort of um, subsidy programs in place, but it's it's not across the board, that's for sure. Um, and if if it does continue, yeah, you're right. We there's an, another uh, sort of level to this in terms of skills. We you know we don't have the engineers out in these regional communities. We don't have pilots, uh, the ground staff. Um, I, I saw some data come out of the United States recently where they've you know, uh, something like 40-odd regional communities had lost all air services and they're putting that down to a lack of skills. So that's a concern we have at um, the RAAA and we've been sort of talking with government on this on, on another uh, a number of options. Do we need all the airports and aerodromes we have? 
Well, I would, I would think that the communities would probably argue yes. Um, you know, maybe going forward when we have some, you know, different uh, future, you know, uh, aircraft that's coming around the corner, like advanced air mobility, like the flying taxis, as, as some people call them, they may fill a void um, and, you know, instead of having... A number of, say, New South Wales regional services out of Sydney, you might have a couple that go to some main centres like Dubbo, Tamworth, and have a air taxi service that run out to some of the smaller airstrips. But uh, at the end of the day, the people still enjoy that service, um, but the cost of maintaining them um, may sort of beg some questions going forward. What do you think the future looks like for regional flights in and out of places like, say, Mildura, Bendigo, Albury? Um, because there's been a bit of volatility in, in the routes provided and the, the frequency of, of flights in and out of those airports. Yeah, look, uh, I think some of the major regional towns are going to be OK. Um, I think the smaller regional ones will be the ones that may struggle. Uh, what we've got to avoid, and I, I was listening before to uh, the Bendigo Aerodrome, which is a, a really good success story on their Sydney service, but we do caution in some of these smaller regional towns who the councils get a bit carried away with themselves and um, speaking with the big four consultancy groups saying, oh, you should have a bigger aerodrome, bigger terminal, you'll get Qantas in, you'll get Virgin in, etc. And we see these councillors with you know stars in their eyes and suddenly they want to upgrade the runway, but as you said to the uh, person uh, from Bendigo, that what happens when they pull out? Um, you're left with quite a bit of maintenance uh, to keep paying for and you may only have one or two small operators on the airport that now have to sort of pay more money to help maintain. So there, there, there's a little bit of that chicken and the egg thing going on there, but we've got to be careful too that some smaller regional airports uh, don't try to outgrow themselves and, um, you know, uh, get talked into sort of extending runways to to get Bonza in or Qantas because that can change overnight. And but the runway remains, and there's a lot of cost in maintaining those things. Yeah, and ultimately the ratepayer is probably going to be the one that foots the bill. Um, Stephen, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Stephen Campbell is the CEO of Regional Aviation Association of Australia. Very shortly, we'll have a chat to Kylie King, who heads up Regional Capitals Australia. They've just been to Canberra to ask for more federal government money to help regional airports upgrade and stay afloat. Mark's called in from East Brighton. Hello, Mark. Oh, hello there. What did you want to say? I uh, just uh, wanted to say that there's um, not just uh, commercial flights that operate out of many uh, airports across um, Victoria and, I guess, uh, uh, Australia. Um, uh, even uh, Ballarat as well, back as far as in between, in between uh, Ballarat and, uh, and um, Tullamarine. Now, there's no commercial flights, but such things, such airports, and I understand, are needed for... Uh, crop dusting, perhaps the uh, medical evacuations. But there's, I would think most rural councils do have a, an airport. Yes. And they're, they're, more, they're just a um, just an airstrip. They don't have any uh, any terminal or anything. It might have a couple of 44-gallon uh, uh, drums of aviation fuel for the, so the plane can take off again. And they've got to be um, uh, brought there uh, in advance of the, uh, of the plane coming. Um, so... But there's no commercial flights. 
No, it's just a stretch of dirt, really, isn't it? Oh, which may or may not be sealed, yes. Yeah, um, yep. And I would have a, um, a weather sock. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're obviously owned and managed by the uh, municipality. And they won't have the uh, the income stream to um, uh, to, to help with the um, with the ongoing maintenance. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, there's lots of those little airstrips. There's over 40 airports in Victoria alone um, that are providing a service but aren't necessarily making any money. Uh, what's your experience with regional airports? How important are they? What are they letting you do that you would otherwise not be able to? This is the Conversation Hour. One day I'll fly away. Yeah, where have you flown lately? Have you used a regional airport? We're talking about just how solid their future is, considering that two-thirds of regional airports are running at a loss and many expect they still will be in 10 years' time. A few texts coming in. This one says, I flew in and out of Avalon Airport recently. I live in Geelong, so it's very convenient. Expensive parking. It's $30 a day. Well, it's actually pretty cheap compared to some places. Um, good scanner in that you don't need to put laptop or your phone or e-readers through separately. Coming back, there were three flights that landed at the same time and took over an hour for our bags to come through. I would use again, but I'd get a lift to the airport, says Yvonne. And this one, how about better consumer rights for regional flyers? Toilets, flight times, hire car services could help by getting rid of extra charges after your hire car does 100 kilometres per day. Yeah, that is a bit rough when you're um, hiring a car for country travel. And this from Joe in Melbourne. Our family frequently visit the New South Wales coast from Melbourne and we currently drive the eight-hour drive. There is a train to Bairnsdale and then a bus, but this is a longer trip with the change in Bairnsdale making it 10 hours. There's a small airport in Marimbula. We would definitely love to use it. However, the flight costs are far too high, often comparative to an overseas flight to parts of Asia. Simply not affordable. If prices came down, we would use and support this small airport and the small plane services. Such a great point. If they're too expensive, you're not going to use them. But if you don't use them, you lose them. Uh, Peter is in Beaufort. Hi, Peter morning i'm sorry your name escapes me uh, that's okay it's bronwyn filling in for rochelle this week that's right yes yes. Uh, look i work for a company that um relocates uh trucks they uh new ones out of out of melbourne but just relocates trucks all over australia and Mm. uh once once i get to my destination um i um yeah I, i hand the truck over and then routinely use uh regional airports to get back to um yeah, to get back to Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or whichever state I happen to be in. And only yesterday I flew out of Coffs Harbour, but the day before it was, uh, I can't even remember where it was, Mildura, I think. But the likes of Mildura, um, in Victoria, Mildura, Hamilton, Mount Gambia, uh, Bendigo, um, all those things, we routinely use them. Yeah, and that's, the, that's mm. a side of business use you don't perhaps think about, isn't it, Peter? A whole no, lot of that, businesses using right. them in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for your call, Peter calling in from Beaufort. Kylie King is Regional Capitals Australia Chair and the Mayor of Albury. Welcome, Kylie. Oh, thanks, Bronwyn. You've been been calling on the federal government to actually do more to support regional airports. What are you asking for? 
Well, I guess one of the keys are those regulatory costs that we have that in many ways have been forced upon a lot of the regional airports. If anyone who's travelled in those regional airports now, you know, security screening is certainly alive and well. Um, so that is an expense that estimates uh, to be around 12% of our operation costs. Uh, so we'd really love, and in previous uh, incarnations of, of funding, that there's been some assistance there. So we're really calling on, on that to, to really assist us. Uh, but also taking a more of a long-term approach uh, for ageing infrastructure, for the future of regional airports, rather than this sort of hit and miss, perhaps, um, approach to applying for a grant here or there for, for a bit of work um, from time to time. But what are the roles and, and what is the long-term uh, funding models that can be used to, to I guess, help subsidise some of those regional airports because we know they, they play such a, a valuable role in, in communities, not just for, for leisure travel, uh, for, for emergency disaster response, for example, or Medivac, you know, flying residents uh, to the cities when required. That emergency disaster response is an interesting point. There's a couple of people on text talking about, you know, during bushfires, how important regional airports are. Do you have an idea of, of what, um, if you take tourism out of the equation just how critical regional airports are to to regional economies yeah well look we've um, presented to the minister Catherine King uh, our uh, advocacy position into her thinking as she's uh, developing uh, her aviation policy and we've come up with seven case studies that really does a deep dive into into different regions so um, you know I know uh, Ballarat listeners obviously uh, for them 50 percent as pilot training is, is used at Ballarat and uh, passengers maybe only five percent but emergency management 10 percent of the usage um, it varies from, from different destinations. Aubrey has a higher percentage of passengers, so about 45%. But again, emergency management, 15% as an example. Others have a big defence uh, sort of usage or the fly-in, fly-out for some of our um, other members in, in Western Australia, for example. And I guess the thing from a regional capitals perspective is often it's our ratepayers that are that are funding our regional airports, but we provide such a broader use for, for other communities as well we should. Uh, for example the bushfires, they, they weren't in Albury and yet we were such a major hub fighting the fires for those emergency uh, planes and emergency vehicles to get to the bush to fight them, which is absolutely essential. Um, but we would argue we have a role more than just being convenient for, for travel for our residents, but that yeah, we, we do have to put a bigger lens on, on how significant and important they are. So how confident are you feeling about the conversations you've had now with the federal government? Look, the Minister has been uh, really open for our perspective, which which is wonderful. She's encouraged um, us to, to put in input and even in releasing this initial uh, green paper that she's um, put out and the department has put out, they have acknowledged uh, that there are some 350 airports um, that are vastly owned by local councils running at a loss. So they they recognise the issue, they acknowledge there are profitability issues in some of the less well-serviced areas. So from here, what should the funding model look like? How does uh, the transition to a net zero economy make impacts? And and also, they're always talking about equity, aren't they? So um, lots of things in the mix that they're thinking about. So like anything, we know we're crossing our fingers and, and we, we know they've got um, competing demands on, on, on their budgets, but we would argue regional airports are really too important to fail.
Kylie King, thank you for being part of our conversation. Regional Capitals Australia Chair and the Mayor of Albury. A text here, transport should be a right for all. City money should support regions. It's only fair. Big city airports should subsidise regional airports too, especially given big city airport mega profits. Just give 5% to regional. They're saying get the international travellers to pay an extra $5 regional fee when landing at a big city airport. It's pretty simple. What do you think of that suggestion? Um, another here, regional airports. I don't think I have, have ever used one, but I used to drive taxis and had a few fares to Lilydale Airport. I was shocked at the condition of the entrance road, which was unsealed and had potholes, says Chris at Fernie Creek. And another text here, does everything need to make a profit? What happened to providing services to all members of the community? It's in the government's interest to share the love and the cash around the whole state, not just the city. Bromwell O'Shea with you here for the Conversation Hour. And uh, we are talking about regional airports and how critical they are, considering that two-thirds of them are operating at a loss. There's been a, a call for help from the federal government to, to shore up some funds for their certainty, uh, for their future, I should say. Alan's at Avonall and has texted in to say Mangalore Airport is mainly a pilot training airport. It has very few commercial passengers, if any, but firefighting helicopters fuel up there and it is essential. And Maria Daltona says, how good would it be if regional airports were made part of the government-owned public transport infrastructure? Looking ahead, says Marie. Peter is at Barnum. Hello to you, Peter. Hello, Bronwyn. How are you? Good. You're an emergency services worker, is that right? Uh, no, I run my own small um, aviation business, but in the floods, I was uh, very busy flying essential service oh. workers, health staff, in and out of um, towns where the roads were all flooded and they had no access. Um, yeah, I started, got busy in Echuca, and then the flood moved downstream. I moved down to Kerrang, and then I moved down to Swan Hill as the flood moved down along the Murray. And they are an essential service to regional Australia, must be kept open at all costs, which mm. isn't very significant on the um, federal government budget when it's put into perspective. Um, and, you know, the regional Australia feed and clothe the rest of our, our city cousins for very cheaply and um, I think that's, um, that's a minor thing is to give back to our regional airports because they yeah. must be kept open at all costs. You've heard of you know, other sick people and the air ambulance flying in and out of people. They are, you know, they're an essential part of our life, the, um, our local airports. Yeah, good on you, Peter. Thank you so much for calling with that different perspective on, on just, you know, airports being that critical link, getting help to uh, people during times of flood. James Goodwin is CEO of the Australian Airports Association. Hello, James. Uh, good morning. Um, we've heard a little bit about the kind of lack of skilled workforce for regional airports as well and that you know some are being lured off overseas now and of course COVID had a, a big impact on um, the availability of people with those specialist skills. How big a challenge is that for regional airports and regional communities? Well as we know and this is an important conversation we know that the entire economy is is struggling with some workforce challenges as we 
recovering out of out of COVID. But um, regional Australia is probably doing it tougher than uh, than those capital cities, and then regional aviation is doing it even tougher still. But like your callers were saying, regional airports are essential infrastructure. Uh, they enable the tourism in and out of those regional communities. They enable freight in and out, and not all aerodromes uh, carry passenger services. Uh, that is one thing that is often often forgotten by uh, by the, the politicians or the regulators. Um, so this critical travel, there could be those medical flights, the firefighting services, the, the, the support during disasters uh, at the time of disaster, but also in those recovery efforts. But this all comes at a cost. Um, the regulatory burden of keeping these airfields open is not reducing. It's not going away. But that is also the right thing to do. We want to have safe and secure and uh, an infrastructure that's resilient, but um, it is um, becoming an increasing challenge and an increasing burden on the ratepayers who are largely um, subsidising those regional airports that are run by local councils. But this is also the challenge to get the staff there to make sure that we've got that uh, infrastructure there ready uh, and waiting for those times of emergencies. Um, we know that we've got to have the infrastructure that is at, at its best and fit for purpose at all times. James, realistically, are we going to have to become comfortable with the, the notion that perhaps we might have to lose some regional airstrips and, and airports? Well, they all have different purposes. Um, there is flight training schools. There are uh, airfields that um, that allow people to, you know, those recreational flyers. It is also, um, you know, a sport and a recreation as well. But that airfield is then um, vital and can be used in times of emergency, whether it's a medical emergency or, or in things like uh, um, um, floods, fires and, and things like that that we know are not going away as well. So we have probably around 350 regional and remote uh, aerodromes across Australia. That does seem a lot, but we also know that in many parts of Australia, air travel is the only form of public transport, and it's the mm. only way of reliably getting freight into or out of uh, those those communities. So um, Victoria and parts of um, regional New South Wales may not be that far. You may have other options, such as, uh, such as road or, or rail, but when we start getting into things like the Northern Territory, far north Queensland and Western Australia, they are absolutely uh, essential to provide those goods and services to get mm. into those remote communities. In a state like Victoria, obviously the, the, the travel you know, by car may not be such a problem, but you know, we're in a cost of living crisis. And as some mm. people have pointed out this morning, Flying in and out of regional airports is incredibly expensive. You know, some people yes. said I could have flown to, to Asia, you know, gone to Bali or Fiji or something for a holiday rather than fly to a, a regional community within Australia. How, how difficult is that going to make things in terms of the, the viability of some of these commercial flights coming in and out of regional areas? It's quite clear that people are paying too much and we're quite concerned by that. The fixed costs of operating the airport are largely the same. So there is no dynamic pricing of an airport. So the landing fees are the same and they are often locked in in five or ten year agreements. So, But the cost of the airfare will fluctuate based on whether there's um, a higher demand or so on. So it's not the airport that is changing its fees. Uh, if there's a busy period or a, or a grand final weekend or things like that, it's, it's, it's the airlines. And we really are quite concerned that the ACCC, the, the 
consumer and the competition regulator uh, stop monitoring the activities of airlines earlier this year. So I think that's one of the first actions that we should all be collectively calling for. It's good to know that and to have that data to make sure that we're not paying any more than you should be. And particularly in those regional areas where there may not be competition, there may only be one airline flying in, in or out. Um, I'm not saying they are doing the wrong thing, but we want to know that they are not doing the wrong thing, or if they are, that there is a, a cop on the beat to be able to take action if that is the case. In one very short one-sentence answer, James, if it's possible, a few people have mentioned electric planes as a possibility. Mm. Is that at all viable in regional areas? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, electrification is coming. It's a way of reducing emissions from, um, from, from air travel, but it's going to be really beneficial for those regional communities. And it could also be a link between um, you get off that Qantas or that Rex aircraft and then onto an electric aircraft to get you the rest of the way to that hotel or that vineyard or things like that. So yes, that coming and very exciting to see them coming. Okay, thank you so much, James Goodwin, rounding off our chat there, CEO of the Australian Airports Association. Thanks for the calls and texts. Have a great day.